Hey everybody, so before we jump into today's podcast, I just wanted to A, thank you guys, give you a little bit of a reminder. If you enjoy this content, however you're watching it, consuming it, please like, follow, subscribe, whatever you gotta do, comment on it. If you can, leave us a review. It really helps us out and it can help grow our platform and reach more people. And if you know someone that can benefit from this, please share it with them. If you have a question, if you wanna reach out to us, let us know. And then lastly, we have all of our amazing programs, courses, and coaching available in the resources below. So check that out. Definitely take advantage of it. We have everything from free options all the way up to paid programs and everything in between to fit pretty much anyone's budget. And it's just a matter of how customized it's going to be based on the price point. So there's really something for everybody. Thank you guys. Let's get on into the episode. All right, so welcome everybody. Uh, Dr. Eric, again, thank you as always for taking the time. Um, Joined with the Doctor's Corner with Dr. Eric of Primex Cellular Nutrition. And, you know, if you guys have watched any of the prior episodes, we have a bunch of great resources at your disposal, not only on our side, Life of a Fighter, but I really wanted to share with um, Dr. Eric's side as well for your website. And obviously you can see in the background from the podcast to supplements to uh, the clinic and all the treatments as well as the website that we'll have in the details you guys can see below. Um, We wanna go live obviously too. So if you guys do have comments or questions while we're going through this, I'll try and monitor our posting page so we can stay in real time with you guys. And uh, yeah, today we're gonna be talking about uh, first, it was a little bit inspiring. We were talking a little bit before we went live about UFC 253 and a little bit of the controversy around Israel Adesanya and a li- what, what some are saying it looks like it could be uh, either gynomastia or asymmetrical version or um, what's the other uh, term that could be for where it's not gynomastia, but it's like pseudo gynomastia, I guess. Is that fair to say? Yeah, the, the, the typical, you hear people talking about gynecomastia, which is an actual a growth of breast tissue which can occur in men and women typically in men which is abnormal and then there's pseudogynecomastia which is actually excessive growth of fat tissue so there's a difference there um one is more of the again the ducks like you'd see that's you know when women think of them nursing uh and then abnormal growth which usually presents as a painful lump uh right under the nipple whereas pseudogynecomastia is more just in the fat accumulation so you get kind of just look like you got a boob it's just basically it's just fat accumulation it can be here in the middle it can be off the side because the breast tissue goes up all the way up under the shoulder there so um that's kind of tip most most guys it's like the pseudo people think oh i got a guy on this like now you just got some fat dude it's just <laughs> but, so. yeah and also thank you for the the word correction. i always like abbreviate things and th- that's why it's always good to have a doctor <laughs> here too to make sure you get the right technical terms before people start jumping down my throat like you don't even know what you're talking about you're not even saying it right um and that's honestly we we even said like we obviously we don't know what um israel Desanya is we're just speculating at best to what potential things so i thought that could be a nice in- inspiration to the real topic at hand of hormones, peptides, you know, common myths and misconceptions, especially from what you're seeing on your end, Dr. Eric, whether it's your own personal clinic or when you talk to other doctors, your own team or other clients and people that you get to work with. And I thought it could be a fun topic because I feel like there is a lot of myths and misconceptions, whether it was even from my own experience as a young athlete, worried about, you know, um, also not doing it where a lot of people may not be doing it in the healthiest times where they're working with a doctor or working with a clinic or working with a professional that knows what they're doing and just buying it from some guy at the gym. 
him and just um, taking whatever and who knows what it is and then having all these negative ramifications and side effects. So I wanted to kind of start with the original piece of UFC 250, Israel Dasani, and some potential, again, not spend too much time on it because obviously we don't know, but if he's very adamant about saying it's not steroids, there's no PEDs, and he's not really sure what it could be. And I've heard other people talk about maybe it's an acute trauma, maybe got hit there really hard in sparring and causing inflammation, I guess. I was curious to see if there was any insight from your end that there's anything that jumps out at you. Obviously, you don't have all the details on the back end, so just we could briefly touch on it and then kind of jump into hormones and peptides and, and the myths and, concept, myths and misconceptions. Yeah, sure. I think, you know, obviously in, uh, in elite, athlete, elite level athletes, there's always speculations and worries about PD use or um, using anything to kind of get an edge. And of course, it's done all the time, whether it's steroids or uh, EPO, which boosts your red blood cell production or extra, extra dose of testosterone or, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, so, of course, people always want to just make sure that somebody didn't win because they're taking XYZ. You know, so of course they're going to jump on that. And then again, we don't know if that he was doing that. But I think where that comes from is there, of course, there have been a lot of, of guys, bodybuilders and professional athletes who have used steroids and um, even excessive doses of testosterone, but usually with uh, the synthetic steroids and either during a, a cycle or post cycle, they can get some either gynecomastia or typically pseudo gynecomastia, like we were talking about, to get some abnormal fat tissue growth. And that's because it just, it kind of messes everything up. And we can get into that later, like the, what the complications, why they can be a bad thing if they're abused, but you see that all the time. But, uh, and typically it is bilateral, it's both sides. You'll see some fat accumulation on both sides, but it can be asymmetric because we're normally asymmetric creatures anyway, but sometimes it can be one bigger one than the other. So with him, you know, who knows, it could have, maybe he, he took a shot there and you get, you actually could get some, some damage to the tissue and almost like a, um, a lipodystrophy or just a, a contusion to the, the soft tissues and cause some abnormal swelling and growth or he had a tiny tear in the pec muscle, a very tiny one, and caused some uh, fluid accumulation. Um, you know, who knows, if he didn't have before, it just happened during the fight, they, it, it's probably related to that, but um, maybe it was just something that was slightly there and it, it was brought out to be more prominent due to an injury during the fight or something like that. But, you know, who knows, we'll find out. I'm assuming they're gonna test, test him for all kinds of things, medical as well as PED use. So that'd be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, and to your point, like you said, you know, this hasn't been something that he's had a track record of or like all of a sudden there's also a massive gain in size or change in body composition or anything like that that would maybe potentially be some potential flag. So like we like he, we were even saying this before, like he said that he's going to do multiple blood work tests, um, MRI scans, trying to figure out what the issue is. And right. uh, yeah, I guess we'll, I was just curious to touch on that and we can kind of springboard into like you're saying, talking about, you know, hormones and peptides and obviously they're two different things but a lot of the myths and misconceptions that circle around those things and maybe some of the most common that you hear that are probably the most blatant that you wanted to maybe start with and we can dig into some of the, the fun pieces from there. Yeah, I mean, I could talk about an hour on this, but uh, I think, you know, I see a lot of men and women for hormone imbalances and, and everything from cortisol and insulin to testosterone and estrogen, you know, to thyroid, you know, everything, but I'd say the myths, you know, the things that I hear about all the you know, most frequent ones have to do with probably testosterone and estrogen. Uh, men and women will have concerns, either things they've read online or uh, there's something their doctor has said, which unfortunately, unfortunately is not very true. Um, everything in the FDA, if you read, there's a big book called the PDR, the physician's desk records. It's like this thick, right? And anytime anything is reported as, as a, even a possibility of a side effect, it has to get listed. Like if you pull up a go to your pharmacy, get a thing for Motrin, the list of possible side effects is like this long because 
somebody thought maybe they had this and even if they didn't they have to list it same thing with testosterone like so you'll see a little warning in there that testosterone may cause blood clots strokes and heart attacks they have it in there because something way if you actually look at the, what happened it was very very dubious and very questionable they've done hundreds of studies since then uh interventional studies meaning they give here's a guy with this condition without anything here's a guy with this with that with this condition and they give him testosterone what happens and almost in every case testosterone actually improves heart function improves your body's ability to pump oxygen with the heart improves your blood pressure lowers inflammation improves cardiovascular health so the studies clearly show it helps but that's something i'll hear from guys like well i i heard that it can cause heart problems or i heard it can jack up my blood pressure um, of course prostate cancer is another one same kind of thing every every trial has shown that it does not affect your blood your prostate cancer risk if anything it helps the guys with lower testosterone levels actually have more aggressive cancers when they do get it and a worse prognosis in the end so if anything it's the other way around the, the higher the better um, so those are the big ones prostate and heart uh, women are concerned about well i've heard that you know, it can, you know, it's going to turn me into a guy or I'm going to grow hair everywhere or um, lose my hair or whatever. And yeah, if you, some women are more susceptible to androgens, meaning like testosterone, they can get a little bit of hair growth or maybe a little bit of acne breakouts or some oily skin, but very mild and easily controlled. And if they're on appropriate doses, I rarely see every now and then I see it, but not very commonly. But those are, I think my guys are mostly concerned about prostate, heart, and then, of course, the other one is hair. Women are more concerned about abnormal hair growth or turning into a guy, which it's not going to happen, right? So um, it just doesn't happen. They're, we're giving them much lower doses than men. So um, that's probably the other big one is the hair. People are like, oh, my hair is going to fall out. And, and once again, studies are showing it's really not the case. It's all it's mostly genetically determined. You know, if you're predisposed to having hair loss genetically, you know, it runs in the family, et cetera, and you go on testosterone, could that speed it up a little bit possibly? It's only like a 1% or 2%. Uh, chance uh, or change because that might accelerate a little bit especially if you're doing moderate doses it, it could but again it's if you're a guy that has nothing in his genetic line of everybody in your everybody in your family's got a thick set head of hair set of hair you take testosterone testosterone you're not gonna you're not gonna go bald it's just not gonna happen so those are probably the biggest myths i see um and then of course you know too the another one um is a lot of people still kind of get a concern because of peds right because of steroids they get them mixed up we're like that's a steroid you know what's gonna happen i'm gonna drop dead or i'm gonna have all these heart problems and things and again i think a lot of it where i'm gonna get thick blood right you know i gotta get my blood counts checked so i'm gonna get thick blood and have a stroke well that kind of got a bad myth because of back unfortunately back in you know you know 70s 80s and so a lot of the bodybuilders were doing massive doses of testosterone and they they did get some elevation in their red blood cell counts and they had some of these other unusual side effects but but they were doing you know grams of testosterone you know, your average Joe is just not even getting anywhere near that. So, um, again, if you're being treated appropriately, I just never see it. So those are probably the, the biggest ones I see. Testosterone, and we could talk about estrogen if you want to, but in terms of testosterone, uh, steroid stuff, that's that's probably the most common. Yeah, and just even to pause on that, and that's something I wanted to highlight, maybe pull out for a second, is that idea of, like you said, if we're in a certain dynamic or environment of massive potentially, I guess, overdosing, I don't know if that's an appropriate term, or just having uh, larger increments coming in versus what might be with an actual professional, with a doctor, with someone that is looking at blood work and making an uh, actual informed decision based on what they're seeing with an ultimate end result in mind that's balanced in health, not like I want to be as big and as strong as possible, which is even maybe that's a whole other category, which I don't think there's, in from my perspective, if everyone's on the same page, like, hey, we're all on board with getting as big as strong as possible. We all agree and say that's what we want to do. Okay, cool. I think when it comes to fighting or maybe other combative sports or where 
you're interacting with another individual and their health becomes on the line because you've now increased the amount of force you can produce. That's also another potentially interesting dynamic that I don't necessarily agree with. But to your point, if they are cut, like treating with a doctor and in that dynamic and in that environment, I feel like that's a really important piece to pull out. And, and to your point also with estrogen, I'd love to hear some of the, the other side of it um, on with estrogen, some of the misconceptions or myths or kind of just circulated information that can be broken down a bit. Yeah, estrogen's a big one too. Yeah, men and women. Um, you know, women were on estrogen for decades and decades until a study came out in 2001 called the WHI, and it showed some potential increase in strokes and breast cancer and Alzheimer's. And but it turned out, it, in reviewing it later, it was kind of a shitty study. And they, once you really dissected it, it really wasn't the case. And, and if you're if you're on the synthetic hormones, yeah, like Premarin and Prempro, but if you're on a bioidentical hormone like estradiol and progesterone everything drops, your, lowers your risk of heart disease, lowers your risk of breast cancer, lowers your risk of Alzheimer's. It's all positive. There's hunt, they've, they've done so many studies, but unfortunately uh, you get what's called a confirmation bias. When, when people learn one study, you hear, you see it's something in the newspaper that, you know, whatever, if this happens, you, you have a hard time getting that out of your head. If you hear something contradictory, look at the news today. If you read something and, and it's huge and they make a big to do about it and, and, and it's propagated for you know months at a time, then all of a sudden years later, like, well, that wasn't true it's going to take you a while to change your mind look what happened back in the 80s it used to be we used to all be like low fat right fat's bad fat's bad so everybody's eating low fat and eating all this carbs and processed foods and for literally a couple decades until we finally righted the ship and now we're now what's everybody doing keto right everybody's doing fat loading up the fat opposite it took decades to fix that so same thing with estrogen it's taking time it's you know people are catching on that if you do bioidentical the right way massively beneficial and um, with men, huge thing, you know, and you're probably familiar with this too. A lot of the, the bodybuilders and powerlifting community, et cetera, you know, for years and years, be like, oh my God, you got to get your testosterone. You got to drop that. You got to block that estrogen, man. You got to take a, a, what they call an aromatase inhibitor to block the conversion of testosterone to estrogen. And so guys would come in all the time like, man, like we were talking about that. That was one of the biggest things. They'd say, oh, doc, I got gyno, man. I got gyno. And they were saying, they didn't, but they were saying that so they could get their anastrozole. Um, but now we realize that's a bad thing. You don't, do not want to block your estrogen. A lot of the benefits of testosterone actually come from the estrogen, um, the, the heart protection, the increased libido, the fat loss actually comes from most, a lot from the estrogen as well as the testosterone. Uh, other benefits too. And they, again, they've clearly shown studies, guys on testosterone, guys on testosterone, plus an astrozole where you block the estrogen. Then you see what happens. The guys who get it blocked, they get a drop in libido. You know, they get erectile issues. They get fat. They get visceral fat. They get fat under the skin. They get osteoporosis, um, and, and the list goes on. I mean, it's been proven. And 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 now I think a lot of now everybody's like, oh yeah, you're right. Don't block it. Don't block it. But there's still some hardcore people out there who don't believe that. But you know, look at all the you know. Speaking to your athletic group here, I mean, they're familiar with. Look how many. Uh, pro bodybuilders and athletes have, have died. These guys that are healthy, you know, endurance athletes and pro, especially bodybuilders, because a lot of these guys, unfortunately, I, I know a couple in particular, and I know a, a physician who was this way too, um, that they did that. They blocked their estrogen for decades and all of a sudden they are having heart attacks and all these problems. And then later they realized, oh shit, that's why they blocked the estrogen. That's why women are protected. They live, you know, they live longer. They have more estrogen than men longer in life. So um, I think more and more people are finally catching on to this, but um, once again, it's taken a while to, to kind of bust that myth. And every now and then on the forums or someone will message me on Instagram, still talking about estrogen, like, man, I don't know. I, don't, I think that's a bunch of BS and you got to block it. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so anyway. 
And, and I think to your point, like this is a very simplified, maybe oversimplified version that I always ask myself or challenge people to look at is like, do you think your body either produces it, has receptors for it, or has that in your environment by accident? Um, right. For, for the most part, like obviously I'm not going to say that there might be certain dynamics that maybe there's over responses to it, or there's maybe some hereditary dysfunction or any kind of variability there. But obviously even like cortisol, like I think that's another one I've talked about cortisol on a very basic level that's associated with stress. But again, there's value in it to a certain dynamic in your body. Your body needs um, all the different, whether it's hormones or receptors or all the different pieces, it's supposed to, it's supposed to work homeostasis and harmony and have a role that it plays. So I think I, that's always something I was curious to kind of bounce off of you too in that thought process to see like, hey, it's not there by accident, right? We want a certain amount and have a function and a role in it. Um, so I was just kind of curious to, to, to see your yeah. thoughts there. No, and you're right. That's a, that's a great one too. Cortisol, same thing. A lot of people think, you know, People have heard so much about that it's bad. It's the stress hormone. This is true when it's chronically elevated. But again, like you said, you need it for certain things. It's actually very beneficial to get these acute bursts of cortisol, especially, you know, again, th- speaking of guys working and guys and gals working out, you know, say you work out fast in the morning, you know, you're going to get that cortisol spike. That's great because that's going to help you burn off that fat, give you that boost of energy, burn off, use glucose as fuel. And then after your workout, you want to drop and you want to recover. But these people that have burned the candle both ends, they're not sleeping, they're eating crappy, they're just working out all the time. Their levels, of, yeah, after a while, if it's chronic love, that's when you get the problems. But it's actually a good play. You need cortisol. We couldn't, we couldn't live without cortisol. It's massively important. So it, it, it often gets maligned. Um, same with insulin, too. Insulin's yeah. like, oh, it's, it's evil. It's evil. But, you read my mind. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, insulin resistance, right? That's a bad thing because it leads to diabetes. But, well... Once you, like you said, and very, very great catch on your on your point because um, you know the bodies, our bodies are freaking smart. They're way smarter than we are. I know everything's there for a reason. And oftentimes we get insulin resistant for a reason. It, perhaps we don't need that glucose, that sugar in the cell right now, so it's blocking entry, leaving it in the blood because it senses there's something going on. For example, infections, a lot of infections, bacteria, viruses, they use sugar to grow. So you might be harboring a chronic or lingering infection. If you're shoving all that insulin into the cell, then the glucose is going to come rushing in. Normally, that's what happens after you eat, right? You eat a meal, glucose goes up, your insulin rises to, to take that fuel and shuttle it into your cells to use it as fuel. That's what it's, it's one, of the, one of its jobs. But if you're harboring an infection, you, the body is smart. It wants to starve those bacteria, those viruses of, of glucose. So it's going to make you insulin resistant. So you can't absorb it. And you're thinking, so once again, you have to look at the whole picture. It's, it's not a cookie cutter thing. It's very complex. A lot of these people, you know, throwing protocols out, oh, do this, do that. Well, you don't, you know, if you don't know the whole spectrum of the, me- from the medical side, then you're not, you know, there's more to it. It's way more complex. So that's kind of a new paradigm. People are like, well, there's reason to become insulin resistance. You know, people are like, what, what do you mean? That's, it's always bad, isn't it? No, not always. So that's just one example. Yeah, I think that's a great point too. And honestly, speaking to the point of like, and that's sometimes I think maybe where other health professionals or fitness professionals go beyond their scope of practice. And that's something as I've been more and more involved in the health and fitness and medical world is realizing what my scope of practice is, what, how to stay within that. Because I've had a lot of clients like, well, Mike, you sound like you know all this stuff. Like, I'd rather talk to you than my my um, P, my primary care physician, my general practitioner, or whatever. I'm like, listen, that that all well sounds good, but by no means is that within my wheelhouse or scope. And maybe a younger version of myself would be happy to answer questions in a very uninformed way. So I just, for all those other professionals out there that may be young and want to answer questions, it's great to have knowledge, but still stay within that scope of practice too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said.
Um, and and the, so I want to piggyback that looking at hormones and in a very similar vein, but also somewhat, you know, different to pivoting to peptides. I was curious to see maybe there's also not as much um, maybe myth or misconception. I'm curious because like I've even become newly exposed to peptides probably in the last six to 12 months more so than just understanding like, okay, and short chain amino acids, like, but the role and the impact they have and maybe some of the myths and misconceptions that you may hear on your end that come from it. Obviously, maybe they'll also tie into hormones, but I don't know if there's something different you hear or related to that that, that kind of jumps out at you. Yeah, I think it is newer, so there's not quite as many myths, um, but I think it's still a newer science and it's changing all the time. And, and a lot of there's not as many longer longer term studies on some of these. Some of these there have been, especially in like Russia and some other countries, they've been using peptides for decades. Um, so I think, you know, probably the most common one is with the, the growth hormone secretagogues. These are the ones that stimulate your, your body to make more of its own natural growth hormone in a natural pattern. Highly beneficial, can do many awesome things to your body in a beneficial way. Unlike growth hormone, which is your, when you're actually just giving yourself growth hormone, it gives you these artificial spikes and it can raise it too high or at the wrong times. Whereas these secretagogues, basically you take them at night typically because that's when your body normally makes growth hormone and it does it it's normally making these spikes of growth hormone during the night well all it's doing is augmenting those normal spikes it's not going way super high it's not going in the middle of the day at the wrong time of the day so there's a lot of beneficial effects so but i think growth hormone in, in igf1 which it, it, it produces in, your liver produces it to shuttle that growth hormone into your body um people think oh my gosh the biggest thing is it's going to cause cancer right you know it's or um something like that and fortunately it's never really been proven they've actually given it to a lot of people who even had cancer and they've done fine yeah if you have a cancer you don't want to take it but if you're a healthy person and you don't have cancer it's, it's totally fine totally safe to take once again as with everything the the, the dose you know, the dose is the poison right you know if too much of anything is a bad thing you drink too much water and it can kill you but yeah if you're you know really spiking up your growth hormone your igf1 it, it may not be a great thing but again if you're doing it properly now, there's never been any issues with, even with growth hormone, of, of causing problems or causing cancer per se. But, you know, again, if you, as long as you're doing it properly. So that's probably the most common one. A lot of the newer ones, the other ones, there's not as many myths out there just because I don't think a lot of people know about it as of yet. Um, but the, a lot of them, the good thing is, I, the other part of it is that um, a lot of them are very safe because they're very specific and selective. Like, for example, one we talked about uh, with you was BPC-157. It's, it's kind of the healing peptide, right? It doesn't, it's actually, nobody really knows, but it's basically a signaling peptide. It, it basically signals or tells cells and enzymes and proteins to do things. It doesn't have a direct uh, action on the cells. It kind of, it's almost like the conductor. It, it, it kind of makes things happen. So, and it's extremely safe. And it's been, that one's been studied for a long time and they've done, you know, lots and lots of studies on it. Even people taking it chronically, had no issues, no no reported side effects, no reported adverse outcomes or anything, which is unusual. Most medications, there's always going to be something, but uh, at least to my knowledge, at least right now in uh, you know October 2020, I've heard haven't heard of any yet. So, yeah, I think that's a great point too. With with maybe as um, you know people hear about it more, maybe this will be like created, or there'll yeah. be something that always comes up from it. And that also, I'm curious to see, uh, and just like where my mind immediately goes is when you talked about you know whether it's growth hormone or, or um, any variation of that, and also playing with our maybe like tying into circadian rhythm, and then also exogenous versus endogenous, or any variation of there, and how that maybe sometimes plays a role in the misconception of if it's some foreign you know, uh, entity or the impact it's having and not being measured and feeding into the myth versus being something that's naturally occurring 
or that is like you said communicating with yourselves or with your body and signaling to hey let's go to this site or to naturally produce this and then not have because uh, from and obviously I'd love to hear your thoughts to speak to this more but and we introduce whether it's whatever the hormone or variable is and maybe it goes beyond just hormones but any kind of foreign entity or, or something to our body there's going to be a impact right a ripple effect of the rest of the body being able to deal with that and maybe when it's exogenously introduced the drastic swing or a pendulum swing of it to compensate is potentially what maybe leads to those myths or like sometimes i'm curious like maybe sometimes where they come from yeah you're right I, and i think it's like that with anything right you know you're most of the things that you know we recommend are bioidentical so for example estradiol or the testosterone or um, the growth hormone secure dogs, they're basically mimicking and they're the molecularly uh, chemical level exactly like the ones that our body makes. So they're, that's why they're called bioidentical as opposed to synthetic versions like Premarin or Prempro, which is a synthetic um, estrogen that women are on for a long time. It actually is only maybe, uh, you know, 30% or I can't remember the exact number, but maybe 20 to 30% of, of estradiol and the rest of it's like these synthetic estrogens, some of which was derived from horse urine. So very powerful you know synthetic and they're chemical kind of like steroids right you take you know your, your stanozole or anavar and all these other winstrol all these other ones they're synthetic they're not like anything made in our human bodies so it is foreign it's a foreign thing but most medications are foreign right you know you take your pepsid or your uh, prozac or whatever they you know they can do things in the body naturally but they themselves are a foreign compound we don't make prozac in our in our, in our brain you know what i mean so um that's that's the danger and again with everything a lot of them are very safe as long as you're doing dosing it properly but you know, once again the, the dose can it determines its effect you know um too much of anything is not a good thing so like we we're talking earlier if you're taking massive doses of even a, a bioidentical hormone like testosterone there can be some adverse effects um but it's that way with uh supplements for example uh for example we of course you know for example b, b vitamins are you know we use them for numerous chemical reactions in our body but if you're slamming down all these b vitamins most 99 percent of the time it's gonna be fine but if you have a genetic abnormality that we can't process you hear a lot about like mthfr is kind of a big one that you hear about where they can't convert uh folic acid into folate into the actual usable form of folate so if you're slaying a bunch of it it's not going down the proper pathway and it can back up and cause some problems so even something as, as innocuous or you, you think as safe as a b vitamin right what harm can that do well Again, based on your genetics and lifestyle, it, it could cause some problems. Um, same thing, we're finding out, you know, vitamin E, right? Vitamin E is a great antioxidant. Well, um, as I'm getting, I'm starting to, to do a lot of things with uh, genetic testing and some uh, genetic uh, precision medicine, it, there's actually some uh, genetic polymorphisms or changes in your gene structure that can indicate, you know, for example, if you're better at tolerating fat or if you're more of a strength athlete versus endurance athlete or all these different variations, but vitamin E, for example, some people, shouldn't take it based on their genetics they actually may when they process that vitamin e it actually may turn into more of a inflammatory compound as opposed to an antioxidant so based on your genetic profile you might not want to take vitamin e so um again it gets pretty deep right so we're yeah. you know with some of the new protocols i'm instituting with patients we're getting into genetics we're getting in deep deep dive into the lifestyle and the hormones and all that. it's not just oh how do you feel let's look at a couple labs and, and let's put you on all this stuff well now we're digging deeper and now we're seeing why a lot of people have these weird reactions like well, i'm giving you this it should do x but it's doing the opposite why the hell is that you know now we're kind of figuring out why you know some of it's genetics some of it's you know your lifestyle you know stress and sleep and all the different there's a, definitely definitely a lot more to it but uh, but yeah those are some examples uh, for sure of, of like you said the the natural form versus synthetic form but 
both can be good, both can be bad, depending on how it's dosed and, how, and what else you've got going on that you need to look into. Yeah, and also, like you said, working with a, a doctor or with a professional and having it being monitored and someone that's educated in that field. And that's why I love having you come on and being able to take the time so that when people ask these questions and again, it falls outside of my scope or maybe you're working with another coach or another fitness professional. I think that it's important to have a coach or a fitness professional that you work with that realizes what is their scope of practice and not trying to address something that goes beyond that. And even if it's when, you know, I have physical therapists that I also trust that I have to refer out to or default to or other, you know, even um, specialists in dietetics, whether it's, you know, talking about maybe a very specific condition. Um, I, I had a recent client, I won't expose too much of the details there to get into it, but I was like, honestly, that's really something I'd want you to see a specialist for in whether clinical nutrition or dietetics to address that specifically it could be autoimmune related or relating and impacting your immune and it could be you follow a protocol that would typically work but one of those foods has an adverse response and then it changes uh the bacteria the gut flora and we have a completely different response and it turns into where it's attacking your body instead of helping your body and then i was curious too to just kind of um hear the idea of not just looking at you know whether we talk about from a supplement standpoint, the potential, you know, polymorphism or, or, or adaptations, but even the toxicity levels of what you're like a vitamin C, the vitamin C always kind of jumps out at me because not that it's, and when we say toxicity levels, I don't mean that maybe you're going to potentially die, but there, that threshold of when you have too much, there's an adverse response of that always without, which is being uh, blunt of vitamin C associated with like potentially like, um, diarrhea or, or kind of you know digestional issues and that's just what I always give as an example because it's something as like harm like you said with even a B vitamin or vitamin C or vitamin E it seems like hey how can it hurt me can there really be too much of it but knowing that there can be potentially too much and the adverse response and then oh well maybe that explains over here why I feel this way because I'm taking too much of this and to look at that so yeah absolutely no vitamin C is a good example I mean unfortunately it is quite safe it's water soluble like the B vitamins but like you said, some people, if you take so much, um, yeah, you can get some GI upset and some diarrhea. That's why a lot of times in, in detox protocols, they'll, they'll have you take as much until you figure out where your threshold is. When you start crapping your brains up, that's that's your limit, right? So, you know, and that's what it's for. So uh, fortunately, for the most part, it's it's pretty well tolerated unless there's some people that have a genetic abnormality called a G6PD deficiency. And those are people you have to be careful. You'll typically, they'll, they'll know or you test them for that. Um, but that's, you know, that's another example. I mentioned the vitamin E, the B vitamins, um, any supplement, there's, there's always potential, you know, same with like herbal supplements, depending on, you never know if somebody's going to have an allergy or some other weird adverse reaction based on their genetics, uh, things like that. So, you know, once again, as with everything, you know, I always tell, you know, tell people, say, let's, you know, dig in your lifestyle, maybe look at your genetics and, and start low and, and, and work your way up to something. You don't slam someone with you know, 10 grams of vitamin C all at once, you know, start with a gram and see how they do and then you kind of work your way up. Same with you know, thyroid hormones or testosterone, you know, you, you kind of you know, start at a reasonable dose and you can always give more, but you can't take it away once it's given. So you have to be careful with that. 100%. And that's, uh, I kind of want to wrap it up on that point because I think there's a lot of value just from that pieces that we'll kind of unpack. And before we go, I wanted to just kind of remind everybody again, not only, you know, all the great stuff we have with Life of a Fighter, to, to flip it to you, Dr. Eric, and everything you have going on 
um, whether it's your podcast, again, uh, an amazing, um, not only opportunity to work with you and your clinics and because of everything we have going on right now in the world, but also supplement line and the great free content you have on your website, as well as some of the paid programs, content, and things that you can use there. I just wanted to kick that and remind everybody we'll have that below. But um, is, is there anything else that we might have missed that I also wanted to make sure that we just remind everybody of? Yeah, no, that's awesome. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. It's always fun. Always a good time. Um, yeah, people, you know, reach out if any of your followers wants to ask me a question. I'm always available online. You can go to my website, DrEricCrimex.com. Um, I've got a lot of freebies on there. And my YouTube channel has a ton of videos, all free. And uh, same with Instagram. I post everything on there, DrEricCrimex. Um, direct, and under the tagline is Dr. Eric, the fitness position, uh, Facebook, Primex Cellular Nutrition and Fitness. So if you look up Dr. Eric Primex, you can typically find me out there. But uh, yeah, happy to answer any questions. If anybody has any now or down the road, or I do consultations. And like you said, I do uh, telehealth, telemedicine consultations anywhere with uh, everything's kind of going virtual nowadays. So I've, I've got a lot of patients out of state. So people have questions or they want to sign up. I, I've got some coaching programs if they want to work with me uh, with their uh, with their nutrition. I mean, you know, nutrition or hormone optimization, overall health optimization. I can take you on and help you at any time. Anybody, anywhere. Beautiful. We appreciate it. Thank you guys. Thank you, Dr. Eric, as always. And again, we're going to be coming to you guys every month with the Doctor's Corner. So if, like you said, you have questions, not only reach out to Dr. Eric, but you can let us know. We can try and address them on a future episode. And uh, hope you guys enjoy the weekend. So I just wanted to say thank you guys again for watching, listening, consuming that episode. If you guys enjoyed it and you haven't already, please like, uh, please comment. If you haven't reviewed, please leave a review. If you haven't followed or subscribed, please do that as well. Again, it tremendously helps us out. And then just a quick reminder, if you guys want more resources, we have them below. We have our programs, everything from free all the way up to paid and kind of everything in between dial in with the customization and we have more information on different programs and resources in our newsletter. So if you haven't signed up for that, do so below. It's free and that is it y'all. See you on the next one.